I would like to invite you to open your Bible in the Gospel of Matthew. 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 <laughs> Chapter 8, verse 18 to 22. This is the Word of God. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. That was God's word. The grass wither, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Well, if we look on chapter 8 of Matthew, we'll find just earlier in the same chapter, we're told of the story of this Roman officer who came to Jesus on behalf of his suffering servant. Do you remember what is the point of that story? Jesus said he would go to this officer's home. And the officer said something like, No, don't come to my home. I am not worthy. But say a word. Give one order. Give an order. And you will be obeyed. I'm an officer. I give orders all the time. My men obey. They must obey. And by the way, I obey too. So you, Jesus, your Lord, say a word, and it will happen. We don't know what exactly this officer knows about Jesus, but he's expecting that a word from him, from Jesus, would have a strong impact. And you remember what Jesus' reaction to, what is Jesus' reaction to what the officer just said? You have in English, and in America, you have a good word for that. Let me express it. It's not exactly written like that, but that's what it means. It's wow. When Jesus heard that, he said, wow, what a faith. To tell you the truth, said Jesus, I found no one in Israel, no one that would have such a faith. Now let's think about it. What kind of faith is Jesus talking about? The kind of faith that consists in obeying order. Actually, orders. So question, what would you think of a soldier who does not obey his officer. And what would you think of a soldier who entered to the army, but when he gets to the order, when he gets the order to go, he says, do you mind if I take a leave of absence? What would you think about that? To honor is not just to, it's not just a matter of prestige or wearing a uniform, even if it's nice to wear a uniform like that. To honor means to go. When we are called, go. 
So if you come back to our text, you'll see soon why I'm explaining this earlier. Um, in our text, I assume this morning that here as we are, we are all Christians. I assume that. Maybe you're not. <laughs> but I assume, I'll, I'll take in consideration that you are uh, Christians, which means literally being a Christian is a christ Yan, <laughs> which means in Christ, followers of Christ. So I assume this morning that being present here for this worship, I just assume, take in consideration that you are followers of Christ. I assume that most of us would say, I'm a followers of Christ. I assume that you'll say, I have responded to the call of receiving forgiveness from my sins, redemption, and I'm in a process of restoration. I believe that we here have met this amazing grace of a Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, that came to us, knocked on our door, died for us, and bring us to, to him. Yes, I have committed my life to God in Christ. And I assume that if we are here this morning as Christians, it means that you have changed your allegiance to the kingdom of God. When I say that, I'm thinking of something that happened about 10 years ago when we were in the USA from 2009 and 2010. I was offered, if I wanted, to become an American citizen. Even with my accent, they would say I could, you know. And so, as we processed the idea to do that, uh, actually, at some degree, I didn't pursue. And here's why I didn't pursue. A friend of ours said that here's the type of question you might be asked to see if you can become an American citizen. And one of the questions was asking if I would have an allegiance to another country, to another nation. And actually, I had. I had an allegiance to another nation, France, because I was on these days a chaplain in the army for the police force. And as a chaplain, it means I have an allegiance to the French army. So I didn't want to leave this for ministry purpose and because of the great opportunity I had to serve in this position. So thinking of this example, I could not embrace a new allegiance. I could not pledge to a new allegiance and having still the other allegiance. So I assume that as we become Christians, as we are followers of Christ, we are pledging to a new allegiance to our God. So I assume this is what we all did this morning. That's, that's the point I am. And I assume this morning we have done that. If not, if you have not done that, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have not received his amazing grace, if there is not a process of committing, pledging yourself to the allegiance of God, um, don't expect fabulous things from the kingdom of God if you are not in. And by the way, it's not too late. <laughs> you, can still, you can still go visit your pastor or your elders. If you don't talk to me even, uh, sometimes it's easier when somebody doesn't know you. So it's time to do it. You know, don't, don't miss that. But my point this morning is, as I said, I assume this is it. And why am I saying this is because the text we're reading this morning, I gave the title, Ready to Go. I assume that in this text, um, the ready to go, you see, is, doesn't mean ready to follow Christ as a Christian. I assume that this is not the point of this text because in our text, the disciples are already followers of Christ. They have already made that step. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Uh, should speak to whoever this morning, 
declare being a Christian. If you're a Christian this morning, pay attention to this text. In our text, the disciples are already followers of Jesus Christ. They have responded to the call. They are here because they have respond, responded to that specific call. And in the Gospel of Matthew, we see that in chapter 4, they have followed Jesus. Chapter 5 to 7, they have received a special spiritual training with the foundation of the Gospel and the Beatitudes and with application in everyday life and a perfect balance between the Gospel and the law. They have received that. And in the chapter 8 that we, we are reading part this morning, in the beginning of this chapter 8, those disciples are witnesses of amazing things that Jesus did and precisely how Jesus opened the gate of a new life to the impure, think of the leper, to the nations, think of the Roman Empire, the Roman officer, and even someone in need that not even asking for help. I'm thinking of Peter's mother-in-law that was sick and Jesus went to heal. And that, that series of, of texts shows that the disciples were probably very excited to have made that commitment to follow Christ. Very proud that, hey, this is our master. He's the one that is doing all of these things. Very proud to follow him. But now, Jesus gave an order. Verse 18, he gave orders to go over to the other side. Now let's keep in mind and remember what I just remind us, what I just remind us about this Roman officer, just a few verses before. According to Jesus, this Roman officer who gave orders and who obeyed, who received orders, according to Jesus, he's a man of faith. Well, here comes the occasion for the disciples to be men of faith. Jesus gave an order. The order is to go. Now let's talk a minute about that verb, to go. This is not the same verb than follow me. It's a different verb. It's a, it means go. It means go away from a situation or a location you're in now. It's actually a one-way ticket. Go and you won't return. It's a one-way go. You go. You have a life now. You won't have the same after that. You go. It's a way to say goodbye to all what makes you someone in the world you're in. Like what makes you well established in your world. Like your name. Your job. Your reputation. Your social establishment. Your degrees. Etc. If we think about it, let's remember what Paul said. Paul had great Jewish roots. He was part of the greatest denomination. He had a great PhD. He was recognized as a great man. He had a great career before him. But once Paul understood what it means to follow Christ, he gives us a great example of what Jesus means here when he says, let go. I quote Colossians 3, verse 8. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Well, Jesus gave the order to the disciples to go. And in case of someone 
among the disciples would not understand, Jesus clarifies his point through the intervention of the scribe in the story. Verse 19, a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What Jesus is describing in a clear picture, he says, he says to the scribe, you won't be seen anymore by people who know you. You won't be called master anymore. You'll be considered a foreigner. You won't have roots anymore. That's what it means to go with me. The order is quite clear. And according to the story of the Roman officer, since it's an order, the response of this order requires faith. So let's talk a minute about faith at this point. What chapter in the Bible tells the most about faith? You can see if the children of Sunday school would be here, they would raise their hands. It's Hebrew 11, right? Well, let's think about a minute about Hebrew 11. By the way, so good to reread Hebrew 11. And not just to read the chapter. But let's look at each story it refers to. And you'll see if what I'm saying now is not true. In the, in the people of faith, they all have something in common. They all obey an order. The order tells all of them, go. Go ahead and leave your life behind. Don't think so much about your life. Don't think so much about your credits. Don't think so much about your strength. Or don't think so much about your handicap. Go. Go. Notice that Abraham, Sarah, Moses, and all of the people mentioned there have left behind their life, their reputation. To the point that in Hebrew 11, verse 13, they are called strangers and exiles on this earth. But also, what's interesting to notice, and what's important to notice, is that in each case, the Lord is using this call, this order to go, is using them to a great purpose for the advance of the kingdom of God. The promised land. The exodus. And even those who have not seen what would happen in giving their life and obeying the order in following Christ, even for those, verse 39 of chapter 11 of Hebrew, it is said, and all these, though, though commanded through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God has provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Well, the order can be scary, but it all brings things of a great perspective. Hebrew 11 shows that. And when Jesus gave this order to go, that means there is some great perspective in sight. And let's think about it. How will the disciples respond? Will they respond to the call, to the order? It's a big thing that Jesus is asking. Are they ready? Are we ready? Are you ready? Well, one of them has a problem. Obviously, one of the disciples is not ready for that. He actually thinks he can bring a good argument. He's quoting, it, I mean, it resembles to a quote of First King 19.20. This is the context when Elijah called 
Elisha to follow him, meaning to depart, to go with him. If you look at the story, you can remind that. Elisha said to Elijah, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. Whereas the disciple has this in mind, the problem that he has a very different motive. Because Elisha said goodbye to his life so that he can follow Elijah. Well, the disciple we have here in the story did not. He actually asked a blessing for departing. This is the same verb that Jesus is using for departing from Jesus. When he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father, he means, let me first go from you. Let me first depart, not with you, but from you. So he's making a very different direction. But he also wants Jesus' blessing for that. He doesn't want just to leave. He's asking permission. It's like saying, Lord, I'm not too sure about that. Let me take a distance from you. But trust me, I'll be all right. It's okay. <laughs> just give me your blessings. And aren't we so often doing that? And we so often going, we know it's the wrong direction. But we dare ask the Lord his blessing. Well, it's just, just, just a little thing. And we found out sometimes far from the Lord soon after that. What these disciples say, it's kind of mean, yes, 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 Lord. I did make the decision to follow you, Jesus. Yes, I have responded to the call to receive forgiveness from my sin. Yes, I have Respond to the call of redemption. Yes, I've, I've seen you bringing me, me in a process of restoration. Yes, I have committed my life to you. But at this point, it's going too far. So, okay. Jesus' response is no. It's not okay. It's not an option. It's an order. I have called you. For that. You made a first step of faith when you followed me. Now it's time to make another step of faith. And actually this other step of faith is going to bring you to make other steps of faith. And you will see where it brings you. Yes, indeed, the disciples are facing a step of faith. The kind of faith that requires responding to an order. The kind of faith that would bring Jesus to say, wow. Now if we look carefully to the heroes of faith in Hebrew 11. For most of the cases, they are not full of enthusiasm for going and losing everything to obey the call. Let's be honest. They are not always super enthusiastic. They don't say, yes, Lord, I'm ready to go and to leave everything. Most of the time, this is not the case. Most of the time, they are not. But as they surrender, they see how amazingly God works through them. And even if they were slow to respond, they are now part of the Hall of Fame. They are part of those who are called to be the heroes of faith. So the disciples at this point are ordered, called to go, one way ticket, to the other side. Well, by the way, the other side is the country of Gadarenes. You know that, that place where they raise pigs? Thousands of pigs. The kind of place where a Jew would not go for vacation. You know, this kind of place where you can eventually meet men possessed by legions of demons. 
You don't want to go there. You really don't want to go there. You don't, you don't want to depart from your life to go there. You don't want to take a one-way ticket to go there. You don't want to go there knowing that you won't return. And by the way, on their way there, they went through the storm of their life. The kind of situation where you can imagine the disciples asking one another, what are we doing here? What kind of an order is it to follow the master? And if you remember the story, Jesus was sleeping. But once things calmed down, Jesus told them, Why are you afraid? Well, I guess why, John? <laughs> Where is your faith? Where is your faith? So for the disciples, as they will go to the other side, they will understand that actually, obeying the order bring them to understand the mission they are in. And they are actually in an amazing mission. The kind of mission they are in is called the gospel. And what Paul described about the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And the power of God, the word power, he gave in English, like in French, the word dynamite. That's the power of God. The gospel is the power of God for whoever who believes. Well, through that specific mission going to the other side, there is a mission demonstrating that the power of God for salvation to everyone is a reality. And actually, they're going to discover in front of this man that is probably the most terrifying man in earth. Somebody possessed by a thousand demons. Probably the study case you will never have in seminaries. Study case you might never have in this church. The disciples were, had in front of them what sin and possession can destroy the most in a human being. Obeying the order will expose them to be right there in front of such of a situation. And the great lesson of the gospel, power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, is that nothing is too far. And there is no territory that are too bad. Nothing is too big, no situation too grave for the gospel to transform life, to bring salvation, to bring redemption, to bring restoration, to bring people to join the assembly of God, to worship him. Look back to this text and see the difference on the life of this man, transformed by the gospel. To put it another way, the mission they are sent to, the power of the gospel that they, ex they are exposed to, is such that there is no situation in which God cannot intervene to reach and to redeem. There is no sin, no situation too big for God. The gospel transforms lives. So when Jesus gave the order to the disciples to go, this is for this type of mission. And one of the disciples almost missed such a tremendous blessing. Almost missed such an opportunity to see the gospel at work because he was too concerned about losing his comfort zone. The amazing thing that is happening through this in a greater perspective is that when Jesus sent his disciples, those same disciples that were just exposed here to obey the order to go, you know, those same disciples a few, few months later will here now go therefore and make disciples of all nations. 
So they have learned right here. They have learned right at this moment what it means to go. And they have learned right there that in a very short time afterward, something will be said. Acts 17 verse 6 from a pagan ruler. Say, these men have turned the world upside down. They will see the power of the gospel transforming the world. So, what about us this morning? Here, York, Pennsylvania, 2022. What about us this morning? Of course, what we're talking about here is an essential part of discipleship for those who receive a call to serve the Lord in the ministry. Of course, those of us who know what it means to respond to the call, we will realize that it means to leave a lot of things behind us. So, of course, this is addressed to theological schools, seminaries, Bible schools, and missionary agencies. This is the kind of thing we need to be ready about. But I would say that this is also an essential part of the Christian life, which means that it's for all of us this morning. For all of us, there's something to learn from that. The same verb that Jesus used to go, the one-way ticket I was talking about, is used also, um, that, 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 sorry, that verb used here as an order that Jesus gave that require an act of faith is also used, for example, in this parable, Luke, Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and cover up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. That is a radical decision that is in this parable, a radical decision because this is an amazing opportunity. He goes, that's the same verb. It's a one-way ticket. He's making a decision that he can't reverse after that. He's going to sell all he has to get that great treasure. This is the kind of dynamics that Jesus gave to, for us to understand the, the kingdom of God, to understand the Christian life, to understand what it means to follow him. In the following parable, it is reminded that the pearl of the great value, Jesus is the one that made a one-way trip to give everything about himself so that we can be redeemed in him. This whole idea is also part of the process of sanctification we are all to go through. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, again, I assume this is the case, and if not, it's not too late, but if we are followers of Jesus Christ, it means that we have heard and we have been through the first beatitude when it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. When we go through this little door of salvation, it means that this is the beginning of the journey. It means we have followed him. But the next, the next beatitude, when he said, blessed are those who mourn, I would say that's the go order. Now, why am I saying this? Because the verb to mourn, to mourn, is to turn a page. The process of mourning is to leave behind a situation, something, a person that will never return. To mourn means to turn the page. It's a spiritual and essential one-way decision. And that's what James is actually using the same verb when he's talking about mourning on our scene, or, or on part of our life that needs to be gone. If we want to grow in the Lord, there are occasions in our life where we need to definitely turn the page and let that behind. 
And this goes with a tremendous promise. When Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now that verb, comforted, has the same roots that what we call the paraclete, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. What we understand is that in the process of obeying the order, on the process of sanctification, we are not alone. The Holy Spirit is with us, in us, so that we can go ahead and see the fruit. In everyday life, we are called to follow Christ, and in that process, we are called to go and leave something, some situation behind. That will bring a clear move for the kingdom of God. We need to remember that as we, by faith, obey, follow, follow the order of Christ, that something will happen in our life, in the life of others, in the life of the kingdom of God. Something majestic will happen. Maybe we won't see it, but someday we will. And that's for us a great encouragement to be part of that. So let me conclude now with what the author of the book of Hebrews says right after chapter 11. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So, let's go. Let's pray. Lord, we will never have enough time to thank you for eternity, for the amazing gift you have given us to come to us. We realize that we would never make that choice. You came to us. You gave your life. And you invite us to enter your kingdom. You invite us to be followers of your magnificent name. You invite us to be part of the amazing things you are doing in this world, preparing the kingdom for eternity. And Lord, as you invite us in your amazing grace, you give us orders. You give us orders to leave things behind. Probably because if it would not be an order, we would not do it. But Lord, can we this morning be a people of God that provokes in the heavens a huge wow? Can we be, Lord, those who obey and provoke your smile of approbation? Not that we would gain any salvation in doing that, but because you have saved us, we want to be faithful servants. Is there any situation in my life today that I realize this morning that I need to let go, that froze me, that paralyzed me in my life, that does not allow me to move forward in my faith, in my relationship to you? Maybe today, this morning, maybe this morning, maybe at this moment, this is time for me to realize that I need to let go, to get that one-way ticket, and to move forward and to follow you.
and to see you walking through me. Lord, if this is the case, if this is the case, take my life. Take me where I am, but don't leave me where I am. And Lord, if ever I have this temptation to let you go, to get apart from you, or Lord, may your Holy Spirit speak to me and convict me. Now give me the occasion this morning. Maybe I did that a few weeks ago, a few years ago. Maybe I realized that I did separate it from you. I did go apart from you. Lord, thank you because today is still the occasion. Take your hand and to come back on the race. So Lord, may you guide us and bless us and fill us with your presence. And may we see your good hand leading your people, your church. For the advance of the kingdom, we pray this morning in Jesus' name.